Hey everyone, welcome back to Podcast of the Day right here on Anchor. Before we start, I'm actually going to feature a few call-ins we had from yesterday's show. So we're just going to go jump right into those. Well, it's a real interesting topic you, you're speaking about, and I really like it because I'm a, uh, I'm Turkish. My, both of my parents are Turkish, and I grew up in Vienna. And I was kind of, I kind of raised myself in an American way. It's like really fucked up. It's really weird. And I'm native in like three languages right now. And you know my English is a little fucked up, but you know I have social skills. You know it's way more important than grammar, uh, like learning grammar in school and stuff. That's not real. And I've always traveled. I love traveling. If you wanna really not waste your money, then invest it in fucking traveling. You can never waste money, especially if you go to some place where they don't even speak English or anything. You know then you just know that it's not about you, you know? And really like the podcast, keep it up. Hey Grant, I just wanted to call in and respond to what Marty was saying about how the West view of, you know, what Africa is, is completely different to what it actually is. And, you know, I was, you know, of the same viewpoint until I started doing the Global Startup Movement podcast. And we featured, you know, a couple cities in Africa and I kind of learned that you know they have their shortcomings in some areas but in other areas they're actually more advanced than us so for example in the financial and banking industry you know african countries have way more capabilities and it's a lot easier for them to transfer and send money between countries than we have in the u.s so that's just one example but there's a lot of misconceptions and you know wrong ideas about africa um and it's really an interesting place that has a lot of unique aspects to it. Thank you to the people that called in. I want to first attest to the first call in, and I want to say I totally agree. I think money is is best well spent, um, if you have nothing else, to just travel places and to immerse yourself into a different culture. Now, have I done that myself? Not necessarily. I've traveled as far as Canada. So, I mean, that, can, that, that tells you how far I've really gone out of the country um, back in the United States. However, I, I definitely agree with the sentiment that money is best well spent while traveling and experiencing new things rather than materialistic things. So I, I completely agree and I appreciate the first call-in. On to the second call-in, I appreciate the, the context that, uh, that you had um, and I think it's a really cool way to just learn that, yeah, Africa is not exactly what we think it is and you brought up some great points there. So yeah, thank you to the call-ins and um, if you want to call in yourself, feel free to do that. I'm always open to public Publishing them in and listening to what you have to say. So now on to your regularly scheduled programming with another podcast of the day. There's been a lot of moments in our history of humanity where people are afraid to adapt to a new technology. It's happened over and over again. I mean, just in this past century with, with TV and radio and transferring from the analog to digital age. I mean, it's there's been countless things. I, the internet's even a great example. We didn't have the internet until the 90s, really, as an established medium. So the podcast we're talking about today is all about uh, this thing called technophobia, as well as other uh, ideas like protectionism um, and puritanism of the past. Um, And it's called Pessimist's Archive. It is the show where we kind of talk about some of the things that have 
evolved um, over time in the course of humanity. Um, a couple of their episodes include um, talking about like recorded music, um, as well as um, the cassette player, and better known as the the Walkman and the transformation of that. And they go into a lot more uh, different things. Um, but it's a, it's a podcast where you get to talk about these new technologies that we've adapted and how big of an impact they really made. And no one really remembers, or at least um, depending on what your age is, you don't remember the transformation from one technology to the next. We kind of just know it as it is. So this is a really great way to look back and see how we've evolved as as humans and really stepped up our game with technology. So um, I'm going to be playing a few clips from that today. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. So here we go. The Atlantic Magazine once asked, is Google making us stupid? A recent New York Times piece proclaimed that smartphones were leading to the end of reflection. That was the headline, by the way, the end of reflection, like a core part of what makes us human is now coming to a halt. Academic and author Sherry Turkle in her 2012 TED Talk said this. Those little devices in our pockets are so psychologically powerful that they don't only change what we do, they change who we are. This is one of the defining conversations of our time. It feels more than important, it feels critical. Like right now, as we experience a level of technology that humanity has never seen, we are on the verge of changing from something we've always been into something we cannot imagine. But here's the thing. You know what we've actually always been doing? We've always been expressing this fear. Always! Go back hundreds of years and you'll see the Sherry Turkles of yesterday saying things like, these telephones we installed in our homes. These bicycles we're all riding. These novels we read at night. Don't only change what we do, they change who we are. We all know how those turned out. The phone, the bicycle, the novel, we love them. The fears surrounding them were foolish. And so it's worth asking, why do we repeat ourselves like this? Why do we always say, no, 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 this time is different. This time we're in real danger. Why can't we trust our own history? That's what this show is about. In each episode, we'll revisit the moment that a new technology totally freaked people out, and we'll try to understand what was going on. Why the fear? And why didn't we learn anything from it? Because the way we see it, the best antidote to fear of the new is looking back at fear of the old. And so we begin with a... And as recorded music became popular, Sousa led the charge against it. In 1906, he wrote an essay called The Menace of Mechanical Music in a literary journal called Appleton's Magazine, and it became instantly famous. Thibault says he found 400 newspaper and magazine articles from the time that reckoned with it, and it's full of sad, alarming predictions about how recorded music would drain our lives of meaning and joy. So here's what I want to do with this essay. I'm going to pick three predictions of his, and then let's see how they turned out. And then after that, we can try to understand what was really going on here, and why someone like Sousa was driven to such extreme fears. Okay, here is fear number one. Just so far as the spirit of emulation once inspired proud parent or aspiring daughter to send for the music teacher when the neighbor child across the way began to take lessons. The emulation is turning to the purchase of a rival piano player in each house. And the hope of developing the local music personality is eliminated. That could use a little translating, so here it is. He's saying that before recorded music, an aspiring musician would learn from another musician, and therefore develop their own style and sensibility. 
But with recordings, he's thinking, new musicians would only repeat what they hear on the records and therefore never truly develop as a musician. They would just kind of repeat and repeat and repeat. So how did that turn out? Oh, well, that's that's a strange thought. This is Viola Smith, although I, I really shouldn't be the one introducing her. I'd like you to meet our very charming little drummer, Viola Smith. That's Viola rocking it out in the 1930s. Viola is now 104 years old, and she was one of America's first female professional drummers. She began performing in the 20s, and Sousa lived till 1932, which means that they overlapped in time. And so Sousa really could have been talking about Viola back then, a young, impressionable musician listening to records. But she didn't hear what he heard. We listened to records, and then we incorporated it into our stylish musician has his own style of playing and when you listen to records you uh, you tend to pick up ideas extra ideas but you cannot change your whole whole way of playing just because you heard a, heard another style of playing on the record you're just influenced by it and by the way this really interested me I, you know, I would have thought that at the time when recording had just started that every musician of the time would be just clamoring to get into a studio and record, but Viola says that's not actually true. Oh, it was not important at all. We very rarely broadcast anything. We were so busy doing theaters and uh, nightclubs and uh, just working all over the country that making recordings is necessary. Um, it really was just something we didn't even think about. So, okay, let's go on to fear number two. As you can hear, it's all about these technologies that we were just so afraid of or, you know, very, very alarmed about and didn't trust all the way. So, as you can imagine, there is a wealth of things we can talk about on the show, and um, they have a lot of cool things coming up. So, I'm going to play another clip for you, and then um, I actually got to talk with the host of the show, so I'm going to be talking with him as well after that. But first, the clip. Perhaps driverless cars will first become championed by a group of people for whom the road is now inaccessible anyway. The elderly, the disabled, even children. But Dr. Chu says that the conversations of the past may also show us a way forward. Because one of the things that people loved about the horse and feared giving up is something that driverless cars now promise to give us back. When they were transitioning out of the, uh, from, became motorized from, uh, this so-called muscle to motor power, a lot of the argument is that, well, I can fall asleep and the horse will take me home. Whereas a car, I need to constantly operate it. It's a lifeless machine, doesn't have a spirit. In 1896, a scientist named A.R. Sennett stood in front of the British Association for the Advancements of Science and in his overly complicated 1800s scientist way of speaking, said much the same thing. And here it is, quote, we should not overlook the fact that the driving of a horseless carriage calls for a larger amount of attention, if not skill, upon the part of the driver than it is necessary in regard to horse-drawn conveyances, for he has not the advantage of the intelligence of the horse in shaping his path, and it is consequently incumbent upon him to be ever watchful of the course his vehicle is taking." End quote. Which is to say, basically, the horse knows what it's doing and the car doesn't, and uh, that could cause some problems. And now, more than 100 years later, you hear the exact reverse argument coming out of driverless car advocates like Elon Musk. The driverless car is about safety, they say. It takes human error off the road. Fall asleep, and it really will take you home. Funny enough, though, even when...
Jason Pfeiffer of Pessimists Archive talks with us next about doing the show and a lot of the topics behind it in general. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. I'm the host of a podcast called Pessimists Archive. I'm also the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, but Pessimists Archive is kind of a side thing for me. And the show is a history of unfounded fears of technology. And so in each episode, we go back to the moment that a new technology was introduced and try to understand why it freaked everybody out. Interesting. So where did the idea first come up for that? Well, it came in a kind of, it came in phases, I suppose. The, okay. the 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 name Pessimist Archive was originally a Twitter feed started by a guy named Louis Anslow. He's uh, he lives in England. I've I've never met him. I'm in Brooklyn. And I found his Twitter feed sometime last summer, I think, and I just was in love with it. He basically was was finding these old newspaper clippings of people talking about how the bicycle was going to ruin humanity or whatever. And, and then uh, just taking screen caps of the kind of most hilarious parts and tweeting them. And, and this really connected with me because I had been, uh, I had been writing about technology for a long time and had really felt very strongly. Um, I, 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 I was making arguments just to friends and annoying my wife with repetitive arguments about, about how the, 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 the fears that are exhibited in the past are so similar to the fears today. And because the fears from the past did not come true, today's fears cannot come true either. Like I just, I feel mm -hmm. very strongly about that, that like we, we are, we are all going to be okay. We, we <laughs> shouldn't fear technology the way that we we do in cycles over and over. And so when I found this Twitter feed, I, I was just, I was just like, this is the thing that I, I feel like I made this, and but I just stumbled upon it. it. It's exactly my message. And so I reached out to the guy who made it, and I said, I, I love what you're doing. And uh, if there's any way that I could be of help, let me know. And we started chatting, and he um, he had wanted to make a podcast, but he didn't really know what he wanted to do. And I had really wanted to start a podcast. And um, and so we just we just teamed up and started figuring it out fantastic because that, that's such a cool story to one day just find the the twitter account and uh and eventually make this podcast out of it that's awesome yeah it was it was really great uh it was I, you know i had i had thought of making a podcast basically exactly like this but i you know i i was i think i was i i was concerned about the amount of time that it would take to try to build um from scratch which you know, it can be really discouraging. And right. so what was really amazing about what Louis had produced is that he, he already had a Twitter following of like 15,000 people. So we knew we had a, something of a baseline and we had, we had proven the interest in the subject. And so we, we felt like, you know, even if, even if to start, we can get one third of this audience uh, on Twitter to, to check out the podcast, like that's a good number for a podcast. Right. And, uh, and so, um, so I think just, just him having been out there and he had a great name, like I just love the name Pessimist Archive. It's so perfect that I, I felt like, all right, you know what? I really, I really need to get into this and finally do it. That's awesome. So, I mean, I know you, you mentioned your background a bit, but is this your first time like doing a podcast then? Yeah, it is. It is my first podcast. I I'm really I, my background is in print media. Uh, okay. I've I've been an editor at uh, Men's Health, uh, Fast Company, Maxim. Now uh, now I run Entrepreneur, uh, Boston Magazine. I used to be, and and I started my career as a daily newspaper reporter. 
And so I'm, I'm very familiar with storytelling in the written form and I had gotten into video and that's, that's sort of Louis had found a bunch of videos that I did. And, and that was what he, that was when he saw that he, he was like, you know, you should be the host of this podcast cause you've got a great delivery. Mm-hmm. And I, I had really, I had wanted to get into radio, um, in some form I had been interviewed on the radio or whatever, but I, I hadn't actually taken the time to figure out what storytelling in audio form is and um and i just i didn't have i didn't just didn't even know where to start i mean i didn't have a <laughs> microphone you know i didn't know what software to use uh, it was really it was from total scratch and what what i love uh, about the podcast um in just from the from the kind of process form is that the writing style is is so completely different from everything else that i do i mean i i have i have trained myself over the course of my career to write in a lot of different voices. Um, you know, I can write in a newspaper format. I can write in a kind of servicey magazine format. I can write in a flowery magazine format, a funny magazine format. But, um, there's something about writing for podcasts that is, is totally different because it, ha- it has to be conversational. You know, like right. if I don't write the way that I talk, it's going to, it's going to come out stilted and weird. And, um, and so the way I, uh, the way I've, I've kind of thought about it, this could be a, crappy metaphor but <laughs> what i thought about is um is it like writing a magazine story you know like a sort of multi-section long-form magazine story i feel like is is like making a series of stews you know like in each each bowl that you like put a lot of ingredients in you kind of stir it around you make sure that it's this kind of beautiful little thing and then you move on to the next one and that's like section one of the magazine story section two and i feel like writing a podcast is like making a sandwich. Like it's it's very layered, you know. Like mm-hmm. I sort of you move through one point and you hear one source, and then you move through another one, and um, it's it's just it's completely different in in every way. And so the 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 challenge of that has been really awesome. That's fantastic. So would you say that you've learned a lot through the experience then first uh, first jumping into it? Oh yeah, I've le- I've learned a ton. I mean, I, I you know it's funny. I've learned so much that even though I uh, we've only done um I'm, I mean I'm currently making our sixth episode. Uh, I, I like you know I already feel like I'm I, I've become like the go-to person for everybody in media that I know about <laughs> how to make a podcast. <laughs> you know, I mean, and and I, I we're not you know we we have so much more to learn. Um, you know, our production quality could be um you know will will always continue to increase and um. And just the, the the methods by which we're producing it, I, I need to make this thing more efficient. I mean, that's a big challenge for mm-hmm. me. Um, but at this point, I feel like I have the the basics down, and I know I know how to knock. I mean, you know, I'm writing. I know how to knock out like a like a thirty minute script in in you know in a few hours. Whereas before, at the start, it took it took a lot longer. Right. right. And. Um, but I mean, you know, to, to just, I mean, like the, the very basics, uh, to just go back to like to episode one, you know, I put out episode one and a friend of mine listened and, and texted me and was like, you know, Hey, love the episode. Um, you really need a pop screen. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, what? And so she, she, she just, she mailed me one. she like bought one on Amazon and had it mailed to me, which was wow. which is what I'm talking to right now. It was like so awesome. Right. Like, but you, you just learn these things as you go the, from the very, very basic. Gotcha. Yeah. That's that's I think that's the the perfect way to describe it too because I feel like and you can you can attest to this but I feel like podcasts are pretty easy to at least set up and try and get started now the ideas may or may not be good for it but nonetheless I feel like it's a pretty easy thing to just get up and start doing yeah the the uh, it's it's amazing how low the barrier to entry is yeah um, yeah, yeah and 
and and what I what I really hope to see in the in the podcasting world is is people pushing themselves to innovate and to create really produced and and interesting shows. I mean, I as a as someone, I mean, I'm I'm it's like I'm already a podcast knob you know, because I, I I like I sort of bring my uh, you know, I don't know. I bring my professional journalism snobbery to it, but I, I really like. I can't. I. I can't. <laughs> I mean, here we are in an interview show, so I don't mean to be disparaging. But you know, there are so many interview shows, and and um and I really like. I so I get excited when I see someone trying like something something new um in the format and uh, and new in 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 just kind of storytelling and thinking um, because it is. It's so it's so easy to get into. Um, which is which is so awesome, and I and I and I think that that's going to mean that a lot of extremely inventive, creative people are going to kind of get their hands around this thing Absolutely. and 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 start pushing the boundaries of of what audio storytelling is. I um, I want to ask too: Have you always been a fan of podcasts? Then, like, um, do you listen to quite a few? And if you do, could you uh, could you name them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you know, I've been a podcast fan for a really long time, oh, okay. uh, which is which is why um, which is why I was so eager to get into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to tons of stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna just like pull up my phone here and just <laughs> just go down the list of like things I subscribe to. Um, so uh, I mean, here, so Slate Money, Love Me, which is a CBC show, uh, interesting Richard Simmons, which I guess is done, but mm-hmm. it was great. Why oh why that dating show? Yeah. Um, the the pitch, uh, which is really cool, is sort of like like a sort of sh- smarter long form Shark Tank um, reveal. Long form twenty thousand hertz undone, which is sadly done. Um, uh, how I built this heavyweight. Uh, um, I also like I, I just landed on this next one, so I'll just I'll just give a shout out to it because it's a friend of mine. So my friend John Jonathan Messenger created the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, which is a um, like a sci-fi adventure for kids. Yeah. And it's just, it's so clever and so cleverly produced. I mean, like he's, that's like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm, you know, I get really excited hearing, I mean, he's got like, you know, he's putting all these filters onto, onto himself to make like, robot voices and alien voices. And, um, and he's like, he's, he's got all this great music in it. And it's just, it's just a total delight. I mean, I listen to it. Uh, I mean, it's like made for eight year olds and, and I listen to it on the, on the way home. Um, I mean, yeah, it sort of goes on forever, right? Uh, science versus embedded myths and legends, gotcha. uh, so, you know, but, um, but I would say that the, the, the earliest stuff that I can remember listening to is, um, um, or the slate podcasts, uh, the gap, the slate political gap fest, um, yeah. I, I've listened to for like ever. And then, um, and I still, I still subscribe. And then, um, um, Dan Savage's uh, Savage Love, which I, I eventually kind of got bored of, but but that in the early days of me discovering podcasts, I really loved that as well. Okay, so um, back to the Pessimists Archive podcast a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you are on episode six right now, or working on it, right? Uh huh. Um, how has that gone so far? Has it been fun to to produce and and create and learn all these stories? Yeah, it's been really great. It's it's so you know our big challenge is um, is is time. I mean, our, our big challenge is, is figuring out how to get these stories out because, and I guess I should have said this up front. I mean, you know, when, when I say, um, that in each episode, we, um, uh, f- go back to the moment that a new piece of technology was introduced. Uh, so what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, inter- I'm interviewing, uh, like a handful of, of historians. And then also, um, uh, Louis is digging up a ton of archival materials, uh, old newspapers and magazines and stuff. And, um, and then, and then, and then where I can kind of 
find relevance, I'll also pull in some other sources. Um, so if, it, if it's something more contemporary, like, for example, our first episode was The Walkman. So um, I was able to find because in the in the in the early 1980s, The Walkman was this highly controversial thing. And there was a, there was a town in New Jersey that banned it. And so I spent a long time like trying to track down people from that town who remembered the thing in the 80s. And I found you know, I found some really great characters. I felt like the person who was the head of the town council or whatever it was that that um, passed the ban and, and and a number of, you know, that that just takes a long time. And at first it was just Louie and I. And um, as we've gone and so and then what I'm doing is I'm, I'm sort of producing like, a you know, I, I kind of write a script where there's audio pieces dropped in and, and it becomes a whole it's like a presentation. And um, and it it's just I, I, at, to, to start we were getting them out once every two months it was just mm -hmm. it was so so it just took so much time and um you know that's not tenable for a podcast i mean right. you really you really should have them out like as i've been told um by people in the industry i mean you were like really like every other week is about as long as you should go and um i gotta figure out how to get there i've got it down to a month and the way that i did that was to um, uh, to add more people to the team. Um, I have, I now have, um, Louis, uh, um, this, uh, this woman, Jen, who's kind of uh, functioning as a producer and this guy, Chris, who's, who's functioning as an editor. And, um, and, and, and I'm also trying, I'm also trying to dial back the amount of reporting that I do because as a journalist, my natural inclination is to just like report the hell out of something. <laughs> and, you know, right. and, and I'm finding that like, getting five, eight interviews into a podcast just, just takes forever. Like it mm -hmm. takes forever to line everybody up and to, to process the thing. And, and at the beginning I was transcribing all this stuff myself too. And, um, and it just, it just took too much time. So we've, we've got it down to about a month and, um, and the way that we've done that is adding to the team. We also are starting to layer production so that, um, you know, basically as soon as I, as soon as soon as I'm kind of nearing script writing time for one episode, I have Jen start to find sources for the next episode, and then and then we, we kind of overlay. And you know, but my next goal will be to to try to over overlay like multiple episodes instead of just what I'm doing is sort of transferring from one to the other, and maybe get like three going at the same time, and um, and then also find just shortcuts. Um, I, I just. Luckily, I transcribe. I, I I got an audio, and there's an AI uh, transcription service that I just started using called Trint, uh, T R I N T, which is amazing. Like, mm. I mean, you just upload this audio file to Trint, and it just I mean, like three minutes later, it's transcribed, and it's pretty accurate. It's really really good. I'll check that out. Um, yeah. Oh my god, you you have to, and <laughs> uh, and and also. Um, you know, just just figuring out like how to use everybody's strengths. So, like, you know, I brought on I brought on Chris because Louis originally wanted to edit, but but it, but like Louis's better at kind of big picture vision stuff, and and you know, throwing a million kind of little audio pieces at him, he was he was having trouble kind of arranging them um, in a timely fashion. But Chris is just really good at that. Uh, he's mm -hmm. just got a skill for for it. So so that's great. So now like Chris can focus on what he's good at, and Louis can focus what on he's good at, and uh, and all that stuff I think is going to speed it along. And talking about spending time a little bit, I wanted to ask, there's a lot of stuff that goes into these shows, I assume. I mean, when I've listened to a couple, it seems like there's just so much information you have to go through. How long does yeah. an episode take to make typically? 
I, you know, I mean, it takes, it takes about as much time as it takes to, I mean, it takes two months. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's really, I mean, so basically here's the way that, here's the way that it, it goes. Um, step number one is that Louis, uh, gathers a ton of archival material. He's really, really good at going through all the archival stuff. And so that's, that's the sort of base. Um, and then while we're doing that, I and Jen will go out looking for sources and, um, and then line up the sources. And, and sometimes, honestly, the thing that has, that has made episodes take so long is that we'll be, we'll have chosen a subject where there aren't that many really great historians, um, mm-hmm. out there. Like for example, the, the episode on the horseless carriage, I found two, two like car culture history books like that, that I, that I do, we're going to contain, um, lots of information about the fear of the car. And, um, and, uh, so one of the, you know, I reached, we reached out to both of them and one of them was available to talk like next week. And then the other one had been, was just traveling and going to conferences and she wasn't available to talk for like a month. And, uh, I kept trying to, or, you know, through Jen, tried to talk her into, speaking to us earlier, but she couldn't, and I just couldn't make the podcast without her. So that just stalled the entire process. Right. And, uh, because then basically the whole thing was on hold for a couple of weeks and which is the reason why we should be layering like multiple episode productions at once so that gotcha. if some, if something like that happens, it doesn't hold up the entire thing. So anyway, you know, I do the interviews and then, and then, um, I transcribe and uh, once everything's transcribed and then I just I take the transcription and I take all of the archival material and then I and then I usually sit there um, uh, over the course of a couple evenings uh, after dinner um, uh, and I and I put together the script and um, and then we yeah, you know, and then we just sort of assemble from there. Awesome. Awesome. That that sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of work going into it. Has it been fun, though, while doing oh, it? Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. It's, I mean, I wouldn't do it if it's not because it's, you know, it's not it's not like not building my retirement fund uh, right now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 super fun. And That's and great. I see it. Honestly, I see it. Um, I, I see it one as as uh, like doing it for the love of this particular project. But I, I also see it, frankly, as just is just a great learning experience for audio storytelling. Um, you know, like I, I'm now in the process of developing a, a, another podcast for entrepreneur that will be, you know, like very different, not nearly as labor intensive. I mean, it's not going to be a Q and a show, but it's going to be a one, you know, one person interview and then I'll sort of write a script and produce it. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and we're building out other podcasts. We're building out a sort of network over there. And, um, and so all of that, all my knowledge about that, I mean, I was actually just in a meeting about, about that today and talking to a guy who, um, who's going to, come on and help us. Who's got a lot of experience building podcasts. And, you know, I'm, I'm able to have an informed conversation with him because of the experience that I have at Pessimist Archive. And then also because I'm producing a podcast, I feel more invested in the podcast community and, and industry. So, you know, like, uh, like once I was producing Pessimist Archive, suddenly I wanted to be a subscriber to Hot Pod, you know, and like just things that, things that I don't know that I would pay as much attention to if I was just a consumer. Gotcha. Have you had a particular moment while making an episode or going through the process of creation where you just got, I don't know, goosebumps or something from something that you found or maybe like an interview? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, there are like a couple things like that. There's, um, I mean, there are, there are, there are the moments when someone says something just so perfect, you know, and, and, um, and like when I tell you, I mean, here's a, tip, I suppose, for, um, for people who are interviewing, um, 
uh, so when I, you know, as a print, as a, as like a print reporter and when I interview someone, I, I, I like type as they talk, you know, I basically like at the end of the interview, I have a full transcription of the conversation cause I'm mm-hmm. just talking as a time, but you can't do that on a podcast obviously because the microphone will hear the clickety clack of the keyboard. Uh, and so that's, that sucks because that means that then you don't have this transcription and unless you're, you, unless you sign up for Trent, um, now at this point they should start paying me. But, um, but I, uh, so what I do is I, I sit there, uh, at the microphone when, when someone, when I'm interviewing somebody and, um, and I, uh, I have a pad of paper in my hand and a, and a pen and I very quietly write down the time code of, of any any good point that they make that I think I would I would want to go back to, mm-hmm. and um and and then if it if it turns out to be a um if it turns out to be a really good point like after they make it I'm like oh my god that belongs in this in the in the episode I'll put a little star next to it and then um and then every once in a while and this is this is the thing that I'm sort of like getting at with with your question is yeah. every once in a while somebody will make will make a point or they'll say something or like that I just know is like, oh my God, that's the beginning of the show or, oh my God, that's the turn point in the show or that's the end. And, and that's, that's when it gets like a star and then a bunch of underlines under the star. <laughs> and, um, and like, I love, I mean, just those moments are so, so great. And, and th- that's really the beauty. That's the beauty of reporting, right? I mean, I, I totally, just, totally. The, the wonderful thing about reporting is you, you just don't, you just, People are going to say amazing things like just, just the very act of getting someone to talk to you means that you're going to hear something that you, you didn't anticipate and something awesome is going to happen. And it's, it's, it's just so great. And then, and then I've rambled for a minute on this, but the, the other thing that was really awesome was um, in the episode about recorded music, I, um, I originally wanted to find. So that was like the the the. Uh, the early uh, early night like 1900 to 1920 was the the main opposition to recorded music mm-hmm. and I, at first i thought you know like wouldn't it be awesome to find some some like 100 year plus living musician who at that point they wouldn't have actually been a professional musician during that time but maybe they worked with people who who had had played during that time and they would have some memory of sourness over, over recorded music and um uh, it turns out that that just like th- no, like that's just it's just <laughs> you know like even someone who's a hundred years old is just still like too young for that. But yeah. I did get the 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 America's like first female professional drummer, uh, Viola Smith, on the phone. She's currently a hundred and four, and um, and she's like she's just like sharp as she's super sharp. Like she just remembers everything, and just hearing her describe. Um, her first thoughts about recorded music and how she learned from the earliest records was just that was so awesome. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. That, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like it's just so cool that people are <laughs> people that <laughs> whatever. This is the dumbest observation. People that old are still around. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, but it's like it's great. And and she was just I, I had, you know, I, I um I contacted two. I talked to two um uh, uh, to, uh, uh, what's the word cent- centurions, uh, cent- centurion, uh, uh, musicians. And one was, um, one was just, uh, he just, you know, he was just kind of, uh, uh grumpy and, um, and didn't, he was just like, I, I don't know anything about record, you know, uh, recording music. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. um, and so I was like, oh, that's a bummer. You know, maybe that's all I'm going to get. And then I talked to Viola and we just had this like lovely 45 minute conversation. So cool. That is so, so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, um, I think that's about that's about all I have for you. Um, is there anything else that you would like to mention or shout out? Um, maybe your social media or website or something. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, let me do that. So there are a number of ways that you can get in touch with Pessimist Archive. The first, obviously, is go searching uh, any podcast platform for Pessimist Archive. And uh, also, um, we're on Twitter at, at Pessimists Arc, A-R-C. And uh, our, our show page is Pessimists.co, uh, where you can find links to stuff that we mentioned on the shows and um, and all that. And uh, and then if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Hey Pfeiffer, which is H-E-Y-F-E-I-F-E-R. If you liked any of the content on today's show, make sure you go check out Pessimists Archive at Pessimists.co. I linked it in the last clip. Um, and yeah, they definitely are, are on their way to making something great. And I, I really enjoyed talking with Jason. He's a true podcaster at heart, even if he was and still is a print journalist as well. Um, he does a great job with the show, and I highly, highly recommend it. So again, that's Pessimists Archive. That'll do it for me on today's show. Thanks again to all the call-ins we've gotten. And if you want to submit your own, feel free to call in using that call-in feature. Um, and tell me what you think about the show, um, about the podcast we talked about today, or any thoughts uh, or comments as well. You can also contact me on Twitter at POTDAnchor. And from there, do the same thing. You can get in contact with me and talk with me about podcasts. Other than that, though, I will see you right back here tomorrow on another edition of Podcast of the Day, only on Anchor.